This is Sean Elliott, head coach of the Georgia State Football Panthers. You're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. They got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. So, yeah, okay, where are we? We're three, two, one. Are we three, two, one in this? We're already rolling. We're three, two, one. It. Three, two, one. Good evening. My name is Jeremy Harper with Outraiser.com. You are on the Believe Network with Fun Belt Podcast. With me is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Good evening, Dusty. Buenos dias. And also with me is Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, the most powerful newspaper on the East Coast. Good evening, Shane. Yeah, take that, New York Times. Yeah, Washington Post and all, all these other celebrated newspapers. Guys, we're, Shane, you've got some breaking news tonight. Apparently, the NCAA and the government of Virginia have been at odds. <clears throat> the decision has come down. Shane, can you explain to us what has happened? Uh, they don't see eye to eye. Ooh. Uh NCAA President Charlie Baker and Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares, who is a uh, JMU alum, by the way, Ooh, okay. um, they don't see eye to eye on whether or not uh, JMU should get to skip that second transition year and just be fully eligible for the postseason. And uh, they've exchanged some letters, and nothing's changed despite the exchange of letters. <laughs> ah, so there was. A, let me get this straight. There was a terse exchange of letters, and nothing has changed at all. JMU is still ineligible in its second year of FBS football. Yes. Cannot go to a bowl game as of now, unless special circumstances arrive arise. Like there's a team that doesn't quite. Well, there's too many bowl games and not enough participants or whatever. But right now, JMU is still stuck. Is that right, Shane? That, Shane, they're still in limbo. That's yeah. I think limbo is the best way to describe it. It's uh, we're we're waiting to see. What happens? We're waiting to see how many six-win teams there are if JMU mm-hmm. gets in. I mean, at this point, the only major question I have that I haven't really gotten answered, I'm going to try to get it answered, is so suppose JMU is 11-1, and 12-0, something outstanding like that, and there aren't enough six-win teams. Mm-hmm. Can JMU be picked for whatever bowl game they uh-huh. feel uh, that the bowl – sponsors want them to go to or do they kind of just get slotted into the bottom spot because they're replacing the teams that didn't make it i i don't know about that question i think that's like the only real major question to be answered at this point shane would it not be wild if somehow the powers that be recognize the greatness of james madison they're the and send them to the kibbe dome (laughs) <laughs> send them to the Gibby Dome where they will die in obscurity, but maybe in a New Year's Six Bowl. That would be crazy. That would be pretty wild. It would be wild. And, you know, it's hard. They have to be the conference champion to do yeah. that. Okay. And okay. so that's, you know, the okay. question then, Keith Gill was asked this at halftime on the Jamie radio broadcast on Saturday. Like, if there's any way they could play in a championship. He kind of punted that decision. He said, that's not my decision. That's something that the league has to vote on. Oh, um, it's like you know, when the Pope says, yeah, that's up to the Cardinals. You know, that's not up to me. It, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, 
it will be interesting if we get to those final couple of weeks. JMU is still undefeated, and the possibility of getting a team into the New Year's Six kind of lingers there. What they decide to do, I, I I wouldn't count on anything major changing, but it would be interesting to see what happens if if we get to that point. Of course, we talked about this a year ago when Jamie was five and zero, and then they lost three straight. They're six yeah. and zero now. Like they'll have to avoid doing that again. Tibbs, but, but here, here's Tibbs. the deal, though. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Jeremy. It struck a nerve. <laughs> you knew the damn rules when you went D one. <laughs> Pay the pauper. Yeah. Oh my suck god! Like everyone else that makes a transition and quit Stop overachieving. Oh my god! <laughs> That's but right at the though. same time, but at the same time, I think back to watching the Bad News Bears where they're in the Astrodome playing. Right, everyone starts cheering. Let them play. Let them play. It's good for the league. We yeah. better all be behind JMU because that's even more money coming into the coffers for postseason appearances. So, I love the Dukes going, but at the same time, quit pitching. You knew when you when you signed up for it that you were not going to be eligible for two years. Have we seen just a whole and, lot of bitching though? I, I don't think yes. I have. you've heard, you've seen a lot of bitching. Okay, I, I will say this, and we talked about this before we started recording. From like making my calls and sending my texts and everything tonight to kind of try to report on this story of the letter from Charlie Baker, it was very clear that the attorney general's office did this on their own. Like JMU was like, not like in the loop of like, Oh, here's what's coming. Here's the letters. Here's what's going on. Uh, so I would think like, you know, on an official standpoint, JMU kind of stopped their bitching when the initial waiver was denied. They said, you know, they wanted the waiver to be approved. It wasn't, they moved on, but that's a pretty easy. It's pretty easy way to score points politically. If you want to run for office is just to like go after the NCA. We've seen it in other States. And I think that's what we're seeing in Virginia right now. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and Bet Online is your number one source for all of your baseball wagering information. With up to date stats, scores, news, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates and statistics, news, and odds. We have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way to the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use your promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so speaking of bitching, guys, we're going to move on for just a second. It's not really bitching. It's more like calling out. Did you guys catch the post-game press conference after the annihilating that South Alabama put on Southern Miss? I think it was something like 55 to, what was it, 55-3? Yeah, it was like 55-3, yeah. right? Just I, I, I want to say that, that South Alabama put up 500 yards more offense than poor Southern Miss. But that wasn't even the controversy. The controversy had something to do with some outdoor signs. Dusty, what do you know about this developing story from Sunbelt International? You know, all the trolling 
that South Alabama did leading into that game, saying that they were the birthplace of, of Mardi Gras when they yep. played Tulane. That did. didn't fare so well for them. Southern Miss gave them a taste of their own medicine, putting up billboards talking about that Southern Miss was just as good as your local school in reference and in close proximity to South Alabama. So the governor brought out the whooping stick again, just like he did two weeks ago against ULM (laughs) and beat the ever living mess out of the Southern Miss golden Eagles that are now black and blue, not black and gold. Craig Stevenson show contributor there with AL.com got the quote of the century. (laughs) From the governor, as in the postgame, the governor's exact quote, whomever the administrator is that signed off on the billboards just needs to know that sometimes those things are great in a board meeting, but they'll get your ass kicked on the playground. (laughs) So let me me get this straight, Dusty. Womack defeated and humiliated South Alabama as a matter of principle and pride. But the defeating and humiliation he leveled onto the Warhawks was just for his pleasure. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so Tibbs and I were talking about this a little bit offline. And If your team is one in five, do you really want to stoke that bear? Is Is that something you really want to put a little more spotlight on your team and on your poor coach, Will Hall, who's getting so many, hey, we got to fire this guy, e- or uh, 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 we call him uh, tweets, X's, tweet X's, that he, he must have canceled his account by now. Why would you want to do that to your team? Why would you want to do that, Shane? Shane, is this something that you would see out of JMU? puts up the billboards that says our, our tuition is affordable, like isn't the same person who's uh, thinking about Will Hall's job status necessarily. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I also, here's my conspiracy theory. Ooh. Sometimes coaches mm-hmm. stick together. Yes. They don't like to see one of their own get the kind of criticism and pressure and hot seat that Will Hall's under. Okay. Then Kane Womack try to turn the conversation away from should Will Hall be fired to like who put up these damn billboards. Ah, you know, all right. Cause it's a tight coaching fraternity. Yeah. And I mean, and, there, there are coaches that don't get along, but there's plenty of yeah. them that do and like each other and don't want to see yeah. families uprooted and things like that. They've all been through it. Yeah. Maybe that's what if, yeah. what if the governor paid for the billboards to have a talking point. (laughs) It's just something to motivate his team. Yeah. And no, but everybody knows you need that extra motivation when one of the, one of the country's worst defenses come to town. And this is probably foyable. Like, you know, who, who, who paid for a billboard? Like we could probably really dig into this. Oh, you know what? You know, there's only one real journalist on this panel. <clears throat> so I recommend that you, Shane, you do that legwork. You put on that hat with the little tag on it that says press, and you go to the courthouse in Hattiesburg, and you get that information. 
Yeah, sounds like a good good use of my time. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, expense everything. You know, make sure you keep your receipts. And don't we don't want to finance it. Do it through uh, the Daily News report or the Daily News record. <laughs> uh, DNR, and uh, yeah, I think that would be so. Speaking of of that game, the fifty five three. Man, I was wrong. Frank Gore did not go Ooh, off. No, he did not. But LaDamian Webb of mm-hmm. South Alabama did as he was the man running all over that Golden Eagles defense. As I told you, Jeremy, yeah, you I did. told you that that was going to be the case. Did. 102 yards, not one, not two, not three, four TDs. On the Seven night. total rushing touchdowns for <laughs> – South Alabama. That's just a lot of running touchdowns. The other <laughs> thing we found what was out is Bradley that, doing guys was he just sitting there just just <laughs> handing the ball off and eating a sandwich? Twenty-one to twenty-seven for three nineteen. We also found out who their backup quarterback was as oh. Gio Lopez got into the game, going two of four for forty-one yards and a pick. Oh, oh, uh, well, you know he got the forty-one yards, got that pick out of the system. I guess got he's it the, out of the system, right? Carter Bradley, I think this is the last year. So we got to see the new blood. And Gio Lopez had a rushing touchdown, 20 yards. <laughs> of course. Everybody had a run, rushing touchdown. Yeah, it was really ugly on the social medias surrounding Will Hall and his future. I felt a little bit bad for him. But, yeah, this was a man who didn't have to buy any of his own drinks last year or even six months ago. He was the hero of Hattiesburg. That was like, we got to get rid of this guy. Oh, my God. Get his buyout. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, maybe the mistake was getting a quarterback. They were better off when they didn't have a quarterback. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So, guys, does that – all right. Do we have anything else to talk about before we get into second and short? We don't. Other than we have a Thursday night game this week to kick Mm -hmm. off second and short before we have four Saturday games. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Are we done with the Tuesday night games, though? Are we done with that? We're not. I believe we have one more. No, it's just a Thursday night next week. I don't. Yeah. I don't like tripping over Maction territory, guys. I I get a little nervous. Like we're going to get ambushed. That's their territory. <laughs> All right. You remember how second and short works. Uh, I bring up the game. And then I sort of moderate a conversation around that game. We already had the Tuesday slobber knocker, which is mostly the slobber getting knocked out of Southern Miss 55 to 3. We won't talk too much. We won't talk anything about that because we're going straight to the Thursday night game. 6.30 at night on ESPN. No, no, I'm sorry. 6 o'clock p.m., which is like, I don't know, 11 p.m. Eastern, Shane? Is that right? Something like that. It's going to be a late night. Okay. James Madison, <laughs> at Marshall, 4-2. and two. The Dukes, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. James Madison, best team in football. Best team in the group of five. Best team in the Sun Belt. Right now, not in the top 25. That's a crime. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about JMU versus Marshall. Marshall kind of in a little bit of a funk right now. Lost a couple games. They don't seem to have the same sort of defense that they had before. Shane, I'm going to throw it over to you. What kind of game we're going to see Thursday night? Um, 
<clears throat> Good question. Okay. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be an entertaining one. I think, you know, Marshall will be fired up to be back at home, fired up to end that two game losing streak. Um, you know, it wasn't a bad loss at NC state, but that was not the performance they wanted to have at Georgia mm-hmm. state. Um, the defense has been struggling a little bit. I think they'll make some changes. I, I do think this is JMU's game to lose. I think the Dukes have been playing. They may be peaking right now mm-hmm. to some degree, um, getting it all together. But going to Huntington, night game, students will be fired up. I think it'll be a good atmosphere, and I think it'll be maybe closer than what some JMU fans are expecting right now. I think some JMU fans are expecting a blowout. I don't necessarily think that will be the case, but I think JMU matches up well enough to, to get another victory. Yeah, because they're going to be in Huntington. It's not easy to just go to Huntington and blow out an opponent. Yeah. Tibbs, when will we hear the first We Are Marshall movie anecdote from the announcers? Uh, what year was the school founded? Uh, the school? I don't know either. But it was definitely way back when, and it's definitely already started chanting. I mean, Jeremy, don't be jealous that they have a great chant, a great yeah, tradition. Yeah, a great team. They have the Huff Shuffle. What more could you want other than the Dukes are rolling into town and they're going to snap this five-game home winning streak that the Thundering Herd have dating back to last season when they lost at home to Coastal Carolina. Wow. That's that's a big prediction. Yeah, I kind of think the same way, guys. I, I, I think James Madison wins this game. I actually think they beat the spread. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game to win. All right, then we fast forward into Saturday, my friends, October 21st. Should be a beautiful fallish day. I, I, I feel like it's going to be like maybe in the 60s in Arkansas, so I'm looking forward to that. First game of the day, though, doesn't start till 1 p.m. It's on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> what? What's this laughing? That was throat clearing. Oh, okay. I apologize. I thought you were laughing at me. No. I'm in a very no, he's laughing. He's, like he's laughing at my team. <laughs> no, nobody laughs at the Warhawks. We cry with the Warhawks. Warhawks, two and four at Georgia Southern, four and two, 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus. As usual, the Eagles are the Eagles. The Warhawks are, are, are sort of like disrespected by the by the Vegas odds, odds makers. Eagles are a 16 and a half point favorite. Would Appalachian State and Texas State give the Warhawks 16 and a half points? I don't think so. Why should Georgia Southern be getting so much credit after the losses that they've had? Tibbs, explain to me why ULM is not only going to beat that spread, they're going to beat Georgia Southern, right? Georgia Southern has struggled (laughs) when Davis Brin throws interceptions. Yes. The Warhawk defense uh-huh. is one of the most legit in the league and probably the best defense in the Sun Belt that he has seen so far. I think that that is the difference that the Warhawks cover uh-huh. and once again lose a heartbreaker, but cover the spread. Tibbs, who leads the Sun Belt individually in interceptions this year? Uh, that would be the guy from Georgia Southern. And, and Jatarius Evans, right? Uh, he has a pick six for 76 yards, the longest in the Sun Belt this year. 
Yeah, and doesn't he have three picks? Isn't that tied with the most? Am I wrong about this? Did I read this wrong? Uh, you read that wrong. Okay. Irregardless, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Bryn, when he has trouble keeping the ball away from the opposing secondary, that's when Georgia Southern has trouble. Shade is Davis Bryn going to have trouble against that Warhawk sec- secondary? I think it's certainly possible. Like you said, that is a strength of ULM. And then that's what's wild about the line to me is that it's that huge when you know you don't know what you're going to get from Davis Brin necessarily. He's he's Ooh. five touchdowns one game and five picks the next. It's yeah. that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. I mean, it's it's a little hard to know what you're going to get, and that dictates what happens to Georgia Southern. And and I sit here corrected, Jeremy. He does have three picks. Okay, okay. I thought maybe I was. I always look. I was look. You know, you look at the Sun Belt website for pick for uh, for stats. It's a little all over the place, so you have to be careful. So it's my it's apologies, good. there, Shane. Please go back to to stroking the ego of the Warhawks. <laughs> no, that was about all I was saying. I was also look, I was also looking up the uh, the the interception numbers. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you another number. Nobody has more interceptions this year than Davis Brin. And partly it's because he threw five picks against it's really hard to recover that from that five picks against Wisconsin. Kind of yeah, hard. Yeah. The vast majority of them came in two games, but that's the two losses too. Yeah. So I mean it kind of like it tells you that that's sort of what they live and die on is him avoiding those turnovers. And so, that I mean that's a big part of their offense is the passing game. The yeah. it, when you're throwing up that many passes per game Chances are you're going to be picked. So, uh, you know, in the Texas State, Appalachian State games, ULM lost by a total of three points. So that's that's crazy. I thought I'd bring that up just to deepen Tibbs' woe and chagrin. Next game up is another battle of three and three teams. One of these teams is three and three and surprising. And the other team that's three and three, it's also a little surprising, but for another reason. 6 p.m. on the NFL Network, Appalachian State visits Old Dominion. The Mountaineers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And let's face it, the Monarchs are just a weird team. They have like they, they have a pretty good defense, but they have the 96th-ranked offense. Uh, offense so bad that they nearly lose to programs like Texas A&M Commerce. But then they beat up on teams in the, in the Sun Belt West. Meanwhile, Appalachian State... You know, they get coastal at home. They got the home crowd there. Everybody's just, uh, you know, you know, juiced up and ready to see a Mountaineers win. Can't get it done against a Coastal Carolina team that's still dangerous, but maybe not as good as it used to be. Is this a game where Old Dominion kind of fakes out Appalachian State and sneaks out a victory and tough to play of uh, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, or does Appalachian State kind of wake up and say, hey, we still have some tricks up our sleeve? Shane, explain how this is going to work. I think, I don't know if it's tricks up the sleeve, but I, App State, <clears throat> despite the loss to Coastal, I feel like has been evening out a little uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. I, to, I don't know. It's hard, hard to articulate what I'm saying here, but I do feel like, we're seeing less up and down from App State recently, whereas it's almost nothing but up and down from from ODU. <laughs> yes. I mean, which, you know, <clears throat> the ups have been great, and it's got ODU 
Oh, you can legitimately think about possibly making a bowl this year, which I think would have been pretty shocking in the preseason to think that we'd be midway through the season. And that's, that's still on the table for them. Um, But yeah, I I do just kind of feel like app States getting it together. I've seen where like, you know, maybe they've kind of shaken some things up, listen to the players about changing up some things as far as practices and things. And I don't know. I kind of just feel like we're going to see a better app state this week. And it's more of a gut feeling than it based on any kind of facts. Yeah, you know what, Shane? I feel that way every week about Appalachian State, and somehow they just kind of let me down on that. But but Tibbs, is Old Dominion a team that maybe is better than we thought? Like there's something that maybe that defense is good enough where maybe we 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 sort of put them, you know, at the bottom of the Sun Belt East prematurely. Without a doubt. But I, I think that they got to have somebody beyond Jason Henderson step up on that defense yeah. to really make a name for themselves. Additionally, I look at their schedule, the results. Have you ever played roulette, Jeremy? Yeah, I played a little bit. I'm not very good at it. But you always bet kind of in a pattern, correct? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. We're all comfortable in our patterns. Old Dominion this year, mm-hmm. loss to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Win to the Raging Cajuns, mm-hmm. lost to Wake Forest, mm-hmm. win to Texas A&M Commerce, lost <laughs> yeah. to Marshall, yeah. win to Southern Miss. Uh-huh. I think I see where you're going. Lost to App State. Ah, so they're on every other win-loss pattern here. That's still 6-6. Six and six. I'd take it. <laughs> yeah, that, it works out to a bowl game if you, if you, if you do the math. The numbers come up craps. No, snake eyes. No, I don't know why it comes up. Another battle of three and three teams, guys. Once again, one of these teams, you'd say, oh, wow, that's not a a good number for them. The other team were like, yeah, that's pretty good for those guys. 6 p.m. ESPN plus Coastal Carolina, three and three at Arkansas State, Arkansas State's homecoming. Chanticleers get the 10-point edge from Vegas. And listen, looking at Coastal, Coastal has a lot of guys that aren't there anymore. When Coastal first started their reign of terror in 2020, a little bit in 2019 they started to show it. 2020 is when they were suddenly this great team. You know, the guys had like Isaiah Likely and that highly – and 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 I mean, like maybe four or five other NFL level guys, right? And all those guys now are gone. Pickney is with them, and he 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 started out at George State, and he's a great wide receiver, big six foot four guy. But not the same level of weapons that Coastal Carolina and Grayson McCall is used to used to using, used to having at his disposal. Shane, is are we seeing the end of the Coastal Carolina era? era and does Arkansas State have a chance to win this game? I think they have a chance. I think if we see the Red Wolves from a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when their offense was really clicking, I think they have a chance. I I don't know. I something about coastal makes me skeptical almost every week. And even coming off that win at app, I think maybe maybe I should be feeling a little bit better about coastal, but I just I'm not ready to say the Chanticleers are back after that win. Um, I think there's still a lot of work to do. I think 
<clears throat> like I seen you point this out. A lot of the stars that built that program to where it was at its peak mm-hmm. are not there. And can Grayson McCall just do it all on his own at this point? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? When, when Tim Beck and the offensive coordinator was just sort of letting Grayson cook against uh, Appalachian State, the offense looked a lot better. And then it, it seemed like suddenly they'd pull in the reins and try to, you know, make a conservative group of plays. And suddenly, you know, it was Appalachian State that was taking advantage of that. Dusty, we've been watching this Coastal Carolina team for some time now. Is Coastal Carolina on the downturn? Without a doubt, I think they are because Grace McCall's days are numbered. Mm. Of, of the eligibility has left. And look, I like Jalen Renard there at Arkansas State. I hope he can become the next Grace McCall and really help oh. put Arkansas State back on the map, give that national exposure again to the Sunbelt Conference with uh, all the quarterbacks that we have. But for right now, the, the image I still have is Grace McCall walking off the field, doing his uh, good old Lee Corso wave, to the App State fans as they're chunking things at him and and making his way off with that win. I think he does the same thing and, and maybe even does a good old splash in the water feature of Centennial Bank State. Uh, he is stadium. welcome. He is welcome to jump into the water feature. I will tell you this. The one big difference between the game with Appalachian State and the game that's going to come up with Arkansas State is that the heat, the hatred – between Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State is like 300 times more. So there was a lot of incentive amongst Coastal Carolina, whether it's with between the coaches, the fans, or the players, to win that game than there will be against Arkansas State. Final game of the evening, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. Yeah, we're getting all the, the, the flagship ESPNs. Georgia State, 5-1, and one, back on track. Now against Louisiana, four and two, possibly back on a winning trajectory. It's going to be a pretty good game. It's always hard to win at the Cajun Dome, Cajun Field. Cajun Dome's the basketball court, right? Yeah. It's not Cajun Dome. Right? So Louisiana, they kind of reminded Texas State their last game that <coughs> Cajuns aren't ready to die just yet. Mike DiGiormo kind of figuring some things out with his young quarterback, the guy that Thibodeau loves the most, Zion Chris. But now he's got to go up against Georgia State and Darren Granger and Marcus Carroll, and they're not very good defense. Does Louisiana sort of pump the brakes, kind of pulls the brake lever on that Georgia straight Georgia State choo choo train, Shane. That's possible, but I I don't know. I like Darren Granger. We do. We and, love him. And 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 the Panthers a lot at this point. I feel like they have got it figured out. Ah. I don't know if they're the best team in the East, mm. but they're in the conversation even even with JMU still being undefeated they're in the conversation and oh. i, I kind of like they're they're not favored in this one but i kind of like the panthers this time around i think they figured it out they've won on the road this year they're i think they can get it done yeah and why not with marcus carroll on the team 
he's he's running just gangbuster. He's kind of doing the kind of running that Louisiana running backs used to do. Tibbs, I, I, what do you think of this game? I, I I kind of worry for Georgia State on this. I feel like Georgia State is vulnerable away from from Atlanta. Do you? Yeah, there's there's no train horn in Cajun Field. <laughs> there's a solid defense. This this game reminds me coming into it a lot of what we saw when Texas State and the Cajuns were getting ready to match up. And we saw how that worked out for the Viva La Boobcats, that they went back to San Marcos with that Sunbelt Conference loss. Yeah, I think the Panthers and Sean Elliott are crawling back to the ATL with their <laughs> second loss on the season. Ah, You know what? The, the underrated part of this for me, for when you look at Georgia State, is we, we got on their defense so much week one when they gave up 35 mm-hmm. points to an FCS team. And they have not given up points to anybody since. I mean, I think you've got to score more than 25 points to beat them. Most teams don't do that against Georgia State. I think their defense is underrated. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, like when you look at the metrics, and the metrics don't always tell you everything, Georgia State's like it, like sort of on the bottom of the second page, kind of in the 90s for defense. But maybe that's unfair. You know, I... When I look at Georgia State's defense, I don't think, oh, that's a soft defense. You know, every now and then they'll give up a big play. Well, who doesn't? But yeah, and I here I think that what it all boils down to will be Zeon Chris. Is he mature enough to make plays against this Georgia State defense? Is he mature enough to go toe to toe with Darren Granger? It'll be an interesting. It, yep. Go ahead. And, and as we said before. If Darren Granger has an off night, who's yeah. stepping up to fill those shoes? Mm. That's absolutely right. It's usually Marcus Carroll, but not always. Yeah. So there it is, guys. We did it. We 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 completed it once again. Another successful edition of Second and Short. Just don't rename the segment called the Tush Push. <laughs> Tush Push would be such a better name for this segment. That's it's a sore probably... subject when the Warhawks couldn't punch it in on, on the one. Did you try to Tush Push? Yeah, and it oh, fell. Wow. Huh. Not enough push pushing on the Tush, huh? Yeah. You got to get like behind that, that caboose. <laughs> ah, so now's the time of the show, Tibbs. It's, it's plugs, promos, and parting shots. Tibbs, give us one. I'm sticking with what I had last week. Go to funbeltpodcast.com. From there, you can see our full catalog of shows. Click on the shop button. Get your Viva La Boobcat t-shirt, your fainting goat of Arkansas State, as well as our logo, beautifully embroidered. Not not embroidered. It's not embroidered. It's cool if it were. It's an iron-on that's really fancy and cool. Uh, on a t-shirt, good quality. I like it. I should be wearing it, but I'm not. I uh, decided to instead rock this. Oh, that's a pretty good shirt. But don't forget that we have the Put Irk in the Hall of Fame t-shirt as well. Put Irk in the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. as well, and many more coming in the coming weeks. So be sure to check it out, funbeltpodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe, like, get the notifications on YouTube. That helps us out as we start building that medium up as well. Yes, building our empire. Shane, do you have anything to add to that? I know you do. Yeah, 
well, I'll plug. Hey, in, in a matter of hours, I'll be on my way to Huntington. Ooh. Cover that exciting Thursday night game. So if you want to read all about that, you can check us out on dnronline.com slash sports. Are you going to be in the press box? Yes. And have you been into the press box there? No. Okay, so this will be a first time for you. That's the first time, yeah. We, we expect a full food critique next mm-hmm. week. Okay. Now, when you cover the games at JMU, you're, at, you're in the press box, right? Yes. And what kind of food do they usually have available? Um, well, we've had a lot of noon kickoffs, so there's been a lot of breakfasts so far. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah. Big we, box we have- of Frosted Flakes. Yeah, no, there's sausage and biscuits. Some of it's okay. Yeah, there's there's biscuits and gravy one time, waffles, mm. always eggs, always potatoes. It's I, I wouldn't mind. I'm glad there's a night game coming up. I think that'll be a little <laughs> bit better than the the breakfast yeah. sitting sitting on the warming tray. Yeah, they'll they'll be serving the steak, right? You know, at Arkansas State, they used to have a pretty like nice little buffet kind of spread. You get like nachos or hamburgers or whatever that they put out, or you know, you know, the fajitas. Even you know, it wasn't like fine dining, but it was good press food. And then when COVID came, they started giving us just like kind of box lunches, like from like from um, what do you call it from um, Chick Fil A. And if you like Chick Fil A, that's fine, but that that's what we get now all the time. Even after post, uh, after COVID, I w- I kind of miss the the buffet, you know. And I did I did bitch enough. They were serving only Coke Zero in terms of diet drinks, and I really wanted Diet Coke, so I, I bitched enough, and they finally started serving Diet Coke. So. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. I, I like very squeaky. Coke. I like Cherry Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> my plug promo and parting shot is selfishly just like you you two uh, a plug uh go to howraiser.com i i previewed the homecoming game between arkansas state red wolves and the coastal carolina chanticleers talk about the strengths and weaknesses of both teams their hopes and aspirations check it out howraiser.com where you'll find a lot of News and insight regarding Arkansas State Red Wolves and the Sun Belt in general. Thank you very much. My name's Jeremy Harper. We've got Tibbs, Dusty, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report, and Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Jeremy, will you come to homecoming with me in a couple of weeks? Oh, yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs>